All right, Brian, I was studying your background and I always start off with telling me your franchise story because not one human being, I haven't found one human being that was a five-year-old and said, when I grow up, I want to be in franchising. But what's your franchise story? How do you, how do you fall into franchising? Yeah, it's interesting. I think it, um, it has a lot more to do with entrepreneurship. Uh, I've always had that as an underpinning to my aspirations and my career. Um, so yeah, for example, um, I started off in banking, uh, sort of on the lender side, doing commercial real estate lending, uh, working with entrepreneurs, developers, um, seeing firsthand, you know, people building things uh, that the rest of communities uh, used and benefited from. So I went back, got a business degree, a master's degree, MBA, and went to work uh, at Kraft Foods and Procter and Gamble managing and leading big brands, DiGiorno Pizza, CoverGirl, billion dollar brands, and really trying to understand how, how to create a brand and run a business. Mm -hmm. uh, from there, I jumped out with my wife and actually started our own company. We started a children's shoe company. And that experience actually being a, a, an entrepreneur, a small business person, really opens your eyes uh, it's it's a lot easier when you're with craft uh, foods or covergirl and have you know budgets that uh, many of us could only dream of uh, but when you're on your own and you're using home equity lines and you know savings and things of that nature you really have a better appreciation for what small business really is uh, and when my um, wife had I always joke uh, hostile takeover she decided she wanted to run the company um, so I went back into the work work world um, I happened to be recruited into this family investment company that was starting up a music school concept. And uh, that led me to Bach to Rock. Um, I fell in love with it instantly. I love music. I love kids. Um, what we do is incredibly empowering and uh, you just see smiles on faces all day. Uh, I had never been in a job more than four years until this one. And I just had my 15 year anniversary a couple months ago. So I think uh, a very, like most people you probably talk to, a roundabout way to end up in franchising. But I think the experiences I had made sense that I'd want to work with small business owners, um, try and help them be successful because it's not easy. And if you can do it in an environment that you love, kids, music, happiness, uh, all the better. You had a you had a benefit as a as an entrepreneur that most don't, which is an MBA and banking career, and so you you're understanding even even on, on working with ginormous budgets uh, at say a CoverGirl, you had all of this knowledge base that I find most franchisees don't have when they jump into this. They jump they jump in, and one one of the biggest gaps for them is they don't get to bootstrap. The cost to get into a business is the cost to get into business. And so they, they get thrown into this very, very, very quickly. As you've understood the psychology of a franchise buyer when they're going through this process and you see what they go through from a stress level, are you able to lean back on some of those earlier life experiences to help guide them or at least maybe not 
completely relieve their their anxiety, but at least give them some scaffolding that makes them feel better about their situation. Yeah, and I think that's the franchising model in general, right? Um, franchisors, I, I really believe in the model. I think uh, small business entrepreneurship is extremely difficult. And if you can have someone or many someones who can help you make less errors, you're going to make errors, you're going to make missteps, but if you can make less of them, your chances of success are that much better. So if Mike, if Bakhtarak, the franchisor can help you identify good real estate brokers, good architects, good general contractors, good banks to work with, um, you know, all the things that help you up front, if we can help advise you in a business plan, if we can help you understand, um, you know, when you hit a fork in the road, which, what the outcomes of each most likely will be based on the experiences that we've had, uh, particularly now that we have almost 60 units up and running, you know, learn from that. Now, you know, do they listen to you 100% of the time? Never. But, um, but I think they listen more than we give them credit for. And, um, you know, in our case, where even through COVID, we've only had one school close in over 10 years, I believe, um, you know, they've taken it to heart and then their own ingenuity, um, creativity, ambition, and drive has led them to be successful at the local level. Because at the end of the day, we're giving them a framework and we're giving them, as you said, scaffolding, which is a great analogy, but they're building it. And, yeah. um, and I'm very proud of what they've been able to do. And I'm actually extremely proud of our team for what we've been able to provide them so that they were successful. Is there a inner rock star in you? <laughs> so I'm the, we always uh, tell the story of, you know, sort of why our school is different. Our music school is different than most others. And I am the perfect example of why we exist. So I was a young person who was heavy into sports, um, still am. But my mom thought music education was a key component to a well-balanced upbringing. So she's, she was adamant that I was going to take music lessons. Um, I was into hair metal. It was the eighties. And so I thought, okay, great. If I'm going to have to do this, I want to play guitar. I'm thinking electric guitar. Mm -hmm. My mom brought home an acoustical guitar. Um, she hired a teacher that came to our house, an older woman who brought a John Denver songbook. So you can imagine I'm this, you know, probably very annoying uh, early teen who's into Judas Priest and I'm trying to play John Denver on an acoustical guitar. So after many months of whining, um, we upgraded to what now I would appreciate, but back then did not, which was a Beatles songbook. But again, I'm into Judas Priest, Motley Crue, ACDC. So after about a year uh, and a half of really just not practicing and not putting any time in, my mom said, okay, that's enough. You, you know, go back to playing sports. Uh, so yeah, I, I tell that story because what our founder was so brilliant at is that you can learn a quarter note, whether you're playing Bach, Taylor Swift, or Snoop Dogg, you know, it, it doesn't matter. So if you can motivate the student through letting them play the music that they love, and now they're going to want to practice and now they're going to enjoy the experience. It's pretty common sense, but it's amazing how few uh, educators follow that philosophy. Uh, so much of that connects with me. Um, 
I played the violin until I was 18. Um, what I loved playing is like, I was, I was, I was second violin. So I didn't get to play the fun stuff. I was, I was like the backup quarterback on violin. Uh, but when I would get sound bo- sound books and play Christmas music or very vividly remember learning how to play all of the Jurassic Park theme song on the violin, like this, this is fun. But education was so much confined to know this is the way that you're going to learn. Um, and so I think education actually prevented the inner rock star from coming out. I, I love sports more than I loved music. Um, and but but i i enjoyed the art of trying to learn it was more like figuring out the puzzle piece of of being good at music and i think that that connects with me uh and then for for what it's worth my i have two boys uh jagger is the oldest and lennon is the youngest so really the the rock stars in here last thing that i'll say just because wow my my franchise story uh, I, I was a rock star journalist, uh, showed up for my first job in franchising with hoop earrings, a leather jacket and a red Mustang. I should not have been hired. And now, you know, years later, this is this is what I do. So but I, I think I think for a lot of adults, because you, you have two customers, the, the adult is the franchisee. The, and, and frankly, the, the adult is also the customer base here to say, boy, you can make this great for my for my child. And then the then the child, so it's actually probably three three customers. But if you ask any any adult to identify their inner child, they can like they can see themselves in the position of how you're telling the story. Is that part of how you sell the franchise? Um, you know, it's interesting. Most of our franchisees are, um, you know, business professionals, career professionals, have achieved success in their chosen um, professions but either were musicians that didn't pursue that as a career or um, just have an avid affection for music. So I always joke, while I'm not a musician, I probably go to more concerts than any of the musicians on my staff. Um, I probably go to 75 concerts a year uh, or see live music 75 plus times a year. So it's people either like me or musicians who um, have you know, made their living else way and now have reached an age where they want to get back into something that they're more passionate about and have a heavy community centric viewpoint. So when we have somebody come in for discovery day, you know, first thing I ask them is, are you ready to be extremely active in your community? Even if you're not running the school day to day, because a, that's what we do. Our, our students play in the community every single weekend and throughout the week. Um, so we want our franchisees to be visible in the community uh, in support of that. And thankfully, um, that is the kind of profile of franchisee we're driving. It's always surprised me that in music, the big businesses haven't come down to the children's level. Like if you take professional sports, uh, you know, most professional sports teams build little league teams or stadiums within their community and like major league baseball or NBA or football, they're very committed to facilitating the next big thing in the industry, but Capitol records isn't saying, Hey, you know, Brian, I want to partner with you to facilitate the next big person in here. But 
But what's interesting, if you look back at the history of, of even rock music on where the agents go and try to find the next big thing, they're searching for the kids that are actually at, at your school. Does it surprise you that big business and music never basically built up the farm system? Yeah, and I'll go one step further. It's not only you know the big business in the music industry, but think about the school systems. Um, over the last 10 years or so, uh, the amount of investment in music, arts, um, you know, things of that nature at the middle, elementary, middle, and high school level have been slashed dramatically um, as funding has been funneled to testing in math and reading. It's been taken from the arts, and so if you're in, um, you know, if you're in school, and you know, when I grew up, I could be in a band in school. I could get lessons in school. A lot of people can't get that anymore. So not only are the, you know, the big uh, music industry giants not investing into the, into the kids or the youth, neither is society in, in many respects. And, you know, I, I do think that attributes to us being as successful as we've been, uh, because I do feel and I know based on what we see in our schools, parents still value it. Parents still view the arts and music as part of being well-balanced and being exposed to different things and learning. And you know, science has proven that there are high correlations between um, music, music, music lessons, and aptitude in math and other academic successes. Um, so I don't want to get on a soapbox here, but I think um, you know societally we're going in the wrong direction uh, and we're looking to fill it with, um, you know, with, businesses like ours, uh, but we can't reach everybody. You know, I mean, it's, um, it, it, we have 60, we have 60 units across the country. There's a lot more uh, need than that. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you touched on that, on that subject and what, what you just said. I, I think there's a tremendous opportunity. I do think there's going to be a shift in education at some point. And, and here, here's why this is, this is my indicator. Um, my oldest uh, has some learning disabilities uh if you watch how he relates to music though he can tell you all the all the words to a song no problem you force him to do a math math assignment and he gets he struggles he gets anxiety and he has he has mental challenges with it and so now if you if you look at the things that are happening in society and i'll, I'll say this on a, on a deeply personal statement even when we were looking to get him uh some testing for autism just to see what where would he fall on the spectrum the wait time to get an appointment was was two years and so we know that the like if you look at you study the brain you can take tony bennett late stage dementia start playing the piano and he could sing all of the lyrics to uh his songs perfectly fine and so i think at some point in education we made the brain one size fits all yet music provides another opportunity doesn't mean you're going to be a professional musician but it teaches you discipline, it teaches you learning, it teaches you confidence, it teaches you everything that you're gonna to need to be uh, you know, a, a fine adult that maybe sometimes the, like, the stress out factor of math or science or other things can't. And so I believe there's gonna be the, a giant shift in education where it's not one size fits all and what the problem that you solve actually continues to climb up um, which is where, you know, when I look at your franchise positioning, I like that the franchise that helps a kid feel like a star, 
but it's more so it's like a franchise that helps children find their identity. And I think that's where some of the shift is going to happen. I agree. Um, the, yeah, the confidence, uh, you know, essentially it should say we help kids find confidence. Um, there's a story that a mother told and it got published in a, a local newspaper in um, the Virginia area. She had a son who was a fairly prominent baseball player in high school. I think went on to college baseball and his younger brother always felt yeah, out of place. Let's say, you know, brother's a big star. I'm not an athlete. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of lost in the shuffle. Uh, whole family kind of centric around uh, the older brother with games and everything else. So the younger brother um, starts at Bach to Rock, takes lessons, joins a band. Band ends up playing at a fairly prominent, as part of our battle of the bands, plays at a pretty prominent venue in D.C. called the 930 Club. Um, his band wins Battle of the Bands. People think he's a rock star. Like there's a thousand people in the crowd, including his family. Um, yeah, everybody's going up to him afterwards, school the next day, everything else. And uh, it's funny, the mom said, you know, for the first time in his life, the older brother was in the shadows of the younger brother and the younger brother was just beaming ear to ear. You know, he had found his confidence through music. Uh, so it, it, it is different for everybody, um, you know, relating a little bit to your son. Uh, we have a lot of students that are either on the spectrum, ADD, ADHD, who quite frankly can't succeed as well in a classroom environment. But when you put them into a music lesson, it's amazing the transformation, both in their personality, their demeanor, their happiness, um, and their success. And uh, that's one of the areas we're trying to figure out how to explore further moving forward. There are some uh, legislative, governmental, regulatory things that put roadblocks in our way, right? So we can't claim that we offer music therapy because we're not licensed music therapists, but um, just because of parents' education, like you were sharing, they know that music helps. And when, the, you know, so we can connect a teacher that would be successful in that classroom environment, not all will be, um, with, with that student. And uh, it's amazing to see what happens in that, ex in that experience. Yeah. I mean, the hope, the hope is that if the, if the end goal of education from preschool through college is basically to create functioning adults that can now live out an adult adult life that contributes back to society. I think always there's been a straight line that this is the only way we do it. Right. I think arts and music can get us the exact same place. And eventually the education system is going to have to look at that. And eventually the education system might say, because of teacher crisis or shortages, we have to rely on someone like Bach to Rock as the fractional support model that kid A comes in here and pathway one might not work for them. How do we still give them the scaffolding to, to become a functioning adult in society uh, beyond this, you know? Yeah, and it's, um, it's interesting. We've already made a lot of non- curriculum-based inroads in the school systems. Um, we are the outlet for instrument rentals to those schools that still do uh, offer band. Uh, we do the recorder sales, you know, third grade recorder lessons, right, that, that are still being done. Uh, we work with the PTAs to help them fundraise. Uh, you know, 
we perform at their spring bazaars and spring fairs and things like that. So we're working with the school on the periphery. I would love to, I would love to get into the more the, you know, the curriculum side of it. Obviously, there are a lot of uh, obstacles put mm -hmm. up on the governmental side, right. but um, I do think we saw it. I did spend um, some time at Sylvan Learning Centers, uh, and there was um, a program called Title One which was essentially funding for after-school uh, tutoring. And Sylvan had, a, a, had a, a division that was able to go into the school systems and provide their product in the schools, after-school tutoring, that sort of thing. So the school systems have figured out how to crack it for your linear approach. Hopefully over time, as they do come up with a, more, a less linear approach, they'll, um, they'll understand that you can take parallels and, and find groups like ours that can help. That's true. So 15 years in business uh, at this business. Uh, what's the next dream for you? Like where, where does your dreaming go? Uh, individually or the, uh, the company? I mean, it's, it's somewhat in, interconnected. Sure. Individually. Um, I'll, I'll be at back to rock till I retire. Uh, as long as they'll have me. Um, you know, like I said, I, I spent too many years of my career, not, you know, smiling when I woke up going to work. Yeah. Um, this one, I joke, my, my office, you know, just through family life, I've moved three times since I've joined Bach to Rock, each time further away. I have a 71 mile drive to work, um, you know, each way. So if I'm still smiling when I get there after that, going through uh, DC and Baltimore traffic, then clearly I, I love what I do. As far as Bach to Rock goes, you know, we, we have a lot of untapped potential both domestically and internationally. The great thing about this model is music is global. It's not US centric. Yeah. So um, I could see in the next couple of years us pushing forward in international expansion um, while concurrently trying to further penetrate domestically. Um, we are like many industries both inside and outside of franchising, we're trying to understand the new normal, um, you know, in terms of retail, because we are service retail, brick and mortar. But even a little before COVID, but certainly because of COVID and since, uh, retail is different now, right? So we have started through COVID, we offered online lessons. We've continued that. We still have a percentage of our business that people are happy to take lessons remotely especially um, if geography or um, just schedules get in the way. So we're, we're pushing, where can we go with that? What kind of hybrid model can we develop over time? And then as you look, not that far ahead, but far ahead, how is virtual reality and AI going to play into human interaction? Um, is there a time where I'm going to have a hologram of me as the teacher and you as the student and I can actually physically create the feeling or sensation of touch. The biggest problem with um, distance instruction and in music is when a child has their fingers in the wrong placement or any student, you can try and describe it, but yeah. it's always really the best efforts is to, is to touch, right? Is to say, oh, no, this is where the finger should be on the fret, or this is how the hand position should be on the piano. Um, but I do think there's a time where that sensation is capable virtually. And what does that mean for the business? 
Um, so I think it's it's interesting. Music's been around longer than you and I and anyone we know. Mm-hmm. It will be around longer than you and I and anyone we know um, walk on this planet. So I'm not, I think from a um, the industry we are in, music education, that is um, forever. It's just how to maximize the delivery for both the consumer experience, the student experience, but also for the franchisor and from a business perspective. You don't want to be Betamax or Blockbuster or one of those uh, entities. Lastly, uh, there's a ghost prospect candidate. They've listened to this conversation, uh, which I've I've always felt that if you can connect with the leadership, that's, that's who you end up buying from. And so let's say they're connected at this point. What do you want them to know about the business opportunity that might push them over the edge? Yeah, one of our big things is we want our prospects to talk to our existing franchisees. Um, Almost 50% of my units are multi-unit owners um, because they they aren't uh, professional franchisees. You know, they're not these groups that go out and own eight of these and six of these. These are literally people that started with one, loved it, were successful, and opened a second one. Um, What I want them to know is if you are passionate about music, if you're passionate about children primarily, because that's our largest uh, consumer group, and you're passionate about your community, this is a way to be successful financially while loving what you do and having a real impact on people, right? I mean, we're having impact on the community. We're having impact on families. We're having impact on kids. There's not too many businesses out there that you can say that. And that's not to, to in any way denigrate any of the other businesses. I love pizza. I love hamburgers. I love subs, but it's just different, right? I mean, this is um, when you see the smile on a kid's face when he gets something and the confidence that you just see brimming inside of him, that's unique. And um, and if you can do that while making money and being successful, uh, why wouldn't you? Well, I think, I think it's important to note 71 mile commute each way, uh, still here. And you, at some point, 15 years ago, you went through a process of discovering what equals happiness in your career and how does that equal happiness in your life? And if someone's trying to look at what's, what's the secret when you have someone like you that's stuck around this long, uh, isn't into it and can still talk passionately about it. That means there's, there's some secret sauce here that maybe hasn't been articulated in the marketing message for, for franchise opportunities yet. Uh, but there's some secret sauce here, and I think that's uh, that's a very special thing. So, I mean, clear, clearly, Brian, I, I love talking about this. Uh, if someone said music, or sports, movies, I have to kill one of them. I would really struggle with that. I mean, when you've named my for the other side of it, for the sports side, just so you know, my kids' middle names are Wrigley and Field. So, oh my it, Lord. It, it is awesome. sports and sports and music are there. Uh, but I love this topic. I, I love what you're doing. I love the impact that you're doing. And I, I love when franchisees can really see tangible impact in a community. And that's what your business does. So appreciate the conversation. Uh, thanks for the time and looking forward to seeing where your story goes too. Nick, this was great. I really appreciate it. Love talking about this and love that you, um, you hit two of my greatest things in life, sports and sports and music. <laughs> we'll have to continue the conversation. Absolutely. All right, thanks, care. Brian. Another Thank episode you. of Meet the Zor.